listening to sermon audio from First Baptist Church of Van Holstein. For more information about First Baptist Church and our services, please visit www.fbcva.com. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Philippians this morning. Philippians chapter 3. I have no idea where my daughter got her ability to cry. Um, It's right. Amen. Um, She got the singing thing from her mama. I can straight up ugly cry, okay? So, this morning we uh, are starting a new uh, short series, two week series. We preachers sometimes call this season kind of between Christmas and New Year's, we call it slush time because it's hard to really start anything new, uh, a more lengthy series. You always have a lot of people gone, a lot of visitors, all those sorts of things. And so uh, I I love this time of year, um, not just for the simple fact that we are celebrating the Christ and uh, and the incarnation, but I also think this time in between is so significant because it gives us an opportunity to reflect on the previous year. Uh, It gives us an opportunity to kind of reset some things, uh, maybe uh, restructure our lives in a sense, uh, look at our priorities, uh, those things that we will value uh, over and above everything else in the coming year, and I hope that you will take the time to do that. Um, It's, uh, I also think that it's significant that we celebrate Christmas when we do in our calendar year, and I'm not... Uh, trying to make some sort of a statement as to when Christ was actually born and all that. It obviously blows some people's minds that we don't know with certainty that Christ was born on December the 25th. In fact, it was very likely not December the 25th. Um, but I think it is significant that in our calendar year, it's when we celebrate um, Christ coming in the flesh. Because uh, as it comes at the end of the year, then we get to look forward to a new year as as kind of a response to that. How are we going to live our lives in the coming year? How will our priorities be arranged in light of Christ and God with us? Uh, And so I hope that you'll see it that way. I hope that you'll take some time in these next few days. I hope that you have a little more downtime uh, to, uh, to look at what the coming year holds And so uh, this short series is called Turning the Page. And for those of you who still use an actual paper calendar, uh, how many of you do that, right, by the way? A few of you, good. You're holdouts. That's good. I like that. Um, Well, it's almost time to turn the page, okay? It's almost time to turn the page to a new year, to 2022. And uh, every year that God gives us, I believe, is a stewardship that has been entrusted to us. We should strive to be as productive as we can uh, for His glory and His work. The longer you live, the more you realize just how fleeting the years are and just how important it is to maximize uh, the time that God entrusts to us. And so uh, that's going to kind of drive these next couple of messages. Um, According to USA.gov, Uh, Every year, about half of us uh, will do something that in the beginning maybe seems pretty exhilarating, but by the end is very frustrating. I think you know what I'm talking about. We will make New Year's resolutions. I won't ask how many of you 
uh, make New Year's resolutions. Some would say, absolutely not. Don't do that. Not my thing. Others of you, it's like an annual thing for you. You sit down and, and maybe uh, write out some resolutions. Uh, if, if that's not your thing, I would encourage you between now and the end of the year to Google Jonathan Edwards' resolutions. Okay, that list will make any list that you and I could put together look pretty weak. I can just go ahead and tell you right now, okay? And I'm not suggesting that it's something that you should do uh, maybe in that way. They do tell us that the top 10 resolutions that Americans make particularly are the following, and you could probably, uh, you would probably come up with most of these. They've probably been on your list, whether you actually write them down or not. Number one, lose weight. Number two, manage debt, save more money. Uh, get your financial uh, affairs in order. Number three, get physically fit. Number four, eat healthy. Uh, number five, learn something new. Uh, number six, drink less alcohol. Number seven, quit smoking. Uh, number eight, reduce stress. Number nine, take a trip somewhere. And number 10, volunteer to help others. Uh, I suppose those are all uh, good resolutions. The problem is they tell us that four out of five people who make them will break them. Uh, one third of people who make resolutions won't get past the end of January before they break them. And maybe for you, that's the reason you are slow or resistant to making New Year's resolutions. Maybe you've kind of thrown up your hands over the years and like, well, I don't know, what's the use? I mean, I never, never follow through anyway. Uh, that's, that's what we're going to talk about over these next couple of weeks. What, what does God say to us? Um, I think he has plenty to say about how we can maximize, how we can steward every year that he gives us to reach our God-given potential to be who we ought to be, most importantly, and so that we can do what we ought to do. Now, I, I want to be crystal clear right here that uh, we do not preach and teach what's called moralism. Okay, this is not a sermon series about you pulling yourself up by your spiritual bootstraps and you just being a better version of yourself and, and, and those sorts of things. Although I, I've been in 1 John, in fact, this morning in my, my personal Bible study, I've been doing a chronological reading of Scripture and I read 1 John today. It's just five chapters. I would encourage you, if you don't have a plan for the remaining days of this year, to read 1 John. Very practical. And you will find this kind of theme in 1 John there about how we practice our faith, how we practice what it is that we are called to be, who we are called to be in Christ Jesus. And, and so he talks about the patterns is, is essentially the way he's saying it. These are the things that should, should characterize us as Christ followers. Uh, these are the things that should, uh, should mark us as believers in Jesus Christ. And we shouldn't be the kind of people who say one thing out of one side of our mouth, but we live something completely different. Uh, and so that's what uh, John the Elder uh, refers to there and what he writes about. But why do people tend to fail in keeping New Year's resolutions? Why is it that so many of us come to the end of the year, it seems, with some of the same baggage that we carried into the year in the first place? We're, we're no further along in our spiritual lives, our social lives, our physical lives, our vocational lives, whatever the case may be. The date changes, but it seems that the destination hasn't. Uh, we're still kind of stuck in the same place. Well, there was a psychology professor at Florida State University who did a study of this a number of years ago, the psychology of, of resolutions and failing to keep those resolutions. And he came up with basically two reasons why people fail to keep New Year's resolutions. Number one, the resolutions are too general. 
In other words, they don't attach specific goals to those resolutions. It's kind of a general thing. I want to be more healthy. Well, what exactly does that mean? What are the steps that you're going to take in an effort to be more healthy, for example? And then he said, number two, there are too many resolutions. Uh, If you come up with a list many times, uh, that's a a part of the problem. And and he went on to say this, studies suggest that willpower is a limited resource. Uh, That is the sheer determination and resolve and grit that it takes to actually follow through on your New Year's resolution, he says, is a limited resource, that willpower uh, to stick to it. And so uh, this is his conclusion. He says, it is better to make one resolution and stick to it than to make five and fail. Okay, now I'm not, I'm not big on preaching psychology or anything. I do think it's significant that he would say that. And what, whether he realizes it or not, he is actually taking uh, that right out of the Apostle Paul's playbook when he wrote some 2,000 years ago to the church in Philippi here in Philippians chapter 3. And so let's take a look at it together. This is probably a familiar text to many of you. We're going to look at verses 12 through 14 today. Philippians chapter 3. Paul writes, Not that I have already obtained this, or I'm already perfect. Don't let the word perfect there uh, throw you off. Uh, Don't let it discourage you. Typically when you see that word in Scripture, it is not uh, referring to sinlessness. Uh, It's referring to maturity. It's referring to completeness. And so think mature. So he says, not that I've already obtained this or am already mature, perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, I want you to remember the context of this text. The Apostle Paul is writing from a Roman prison. This is a prison epistle, and as far as he knew, every day could possibly be his last. Uh, There was a lot of uncertainty as to his future, and and maybe we can identify with that. I mean, we're coming out of what, what most of us would consider a really weird, long two years, right? I mean, this has been a strange time. Uh, not just here, not just locally, uh, all over the world. It's been a strange time. It's, it's reordered our world in many respects. And, and there's so much that seems to divide us as humanity and so many strong opinions and so many, just all of these things. And it's, it's, I think a lot of people are just weary. I was, I was walking through Target the other day with my daughter and we were doing some shopping. And I thought, everybody just seems tired to me. Not not just physically, I think people are just tired emotionally. They're tired spiritually. I think people are just weary. And and so it it, it made me sad in a sense because I I know what most of them need is they need the hope of the gospel. They they need to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And and so it challenged me in, in many ways as well. But here's the Apostle Paul, and he's, he, he's facing certainly uncertainty. And so for him, in a sense, every day was like New Year's Day, right? And so he begins by making this really candid, honest admission, which is the starting point uh, for actually being all that God wants us to be. And that's this, I'm not yet everything God wants me to be. <laughs> You've got to realize, like the Apostle Paul says here, you haven't arrived, you haven't got it all figured out. You, you may have been a follower of Jesus Christ for, for over half your life now, or for much of, I, I mean, I, I 
by the grace of God, became a follower of Jesus Christ as an eight-year-old boy in Garland, Texas on November the 24th, 1974. And so for the vast majority of my life now, I've been a follower of Jesus Christ. Had a lot of, lot of lows in that time, a lot of valleys, and man, by the grace of God, a lot of mountaintop experiences, and, and it's, it's, been a, it's been a crazy journey. And most of you could say the same thing about your walk with the Lord and, and your journey. One thing is certain. I'm not yet all that God wants me to be. I'm not yet all that He wants me to be. There are some areas in my life that I, I, I need to be more like Him. I need to respond more like Him. And that, that's really what the Apostle Paul is saying here. Again, in verse number 12, not that I have already obtained this or am already a complete or mature. He uses, in the ESV here, it's translated perfect. But I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me His own. So Paul is admitting very clearly that he has not yet arrived. He doesn't have it all together. And though he has done a lot, there is still much more to do for the glory of God. Though he has been to a lot of places, there are still more places to go to the glory of God. Though he has reached a lot of his potential, he has not yet reached all of his potential. And so I think that's the first thing is to kind of see the, the place from which he writes here. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how long you have been a follower of Jesus Christ. As long as you are drawing breath on this earth, there is always more to learn. There is always room for growth in Christ's likeness. There are always more principles, biblical principles to apply. There's always more room to grow. And so Paul uses really three simple steps that we can use at the beginning of every season, whether it's at the start of a new year, a new month, maybe a new season of life. Um, some of you are, are, are newlyweds. Some of you are looking forward to that season of your life. Some of you welcoming uh, new babies into your home and all of those things. So, so what are the things that we can do to first and most importantly be all that God wants us to be so that then we can accomplish all that God wants us to accomplish for His glory. Notice the first thing here. Forget what is behind you. Forget what is behind you. He says in verse 13, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind. So the first thing you need to do as you enter into a new season is to turn the page. To turn the page. Um, I, I'm a fairly avid reader, and my reading habits are really weird to most people. I'm typically reading five or six books at the same time. Uh, and, and I don't do as much recreational reading as I should. And so there's this one particular book that uh, Walt Hammonds, uh, Walt and Meyer were gracious enough to loan me. And they're probably wondering if I'm ever going to give it back to them. Uh, because it's, a, it's, it's slow reading for me. I've got some other things that, you know, just for priority's sake and all that, most of the books I read are related to preaching and teaching and church life and all that sort of thing. And so this, this particular novel is about a pastor and his life and everything. And so it, I, I, I go back to it so seldom uh, with, 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 with no consistency whatsoever that when I do, I have to actually go back a few pages to kind of pick up where I was. You know what I mean? To like, oh yeah, that's what had happened. You know, that kind of thing. Th that's how some people live their lives. They just can't seem to turn the page. And for various reasons, whether it's uh, unforgiveness in your life, it's maybe a root of bitterness that has taken root in your life, or you just keep going back and revisiting the previous chapters, and you keep dwelling there, and you can never seem to turn the page. And so what Paul is saying here is, there are times when you, you've got to turn the page. 
The first thing you need to do as you enter this new season is turn the page. Paul had learned a tremendous lesson. You can't focus effectively on where you are going until you stop focusing on where you have been. When I was in college, I uh, toured the country with a, a team. We sang and we did drama and everything. It's about 16 to 20 of us usually, and we're living on a bus, basically, and going from location to location, literally all over the country. And they had customized our bus so that some of the, uh, the, the, the seats faced forward like normal, and then they had turned some around so that they faced backward, and they had a table in between so that we could play Uno and games like that and stuff. I had a friend from, uh, from Georgia, his name was Robbie, and Robbie hated sitting uh, facing the back of the bus. I mean, almost any time there was you know, any kind of a, uh, a squabble or anything about where, who was sitting where and all that stuff, he always wanted to sit facing forward. And I said, Robbie, what is the big deal? And he goes, <laughs> the only way a guy from Georgia could say, he goes, man, I don't want to see where we've been. I want to see where we're going. <laughs> and I, I think that's maybe the problem with some people. Is, is they want to just focus on where they've been, that they can't focus on where they're going. And so one of the, the saddest things to witness is a, a runner in a race losing a race because they took the time to look back over their shoulder. They don't realize how much time that takes to keep looking back. You cannot effectively sail the ship of your life into the seas of the future with joy and with peace if your anchor is stuck in the mud of the past. You can't run forward if you're always looking backward. That is what Paul is talking about when he says forgetting those things which are behind. It's a lot like driving. And years ago when I first got my license, I, I went through a driver's ed course. And one of the things they teach you naturally is that you've got to regularly be checking your mirrors, right? You're regularly checking those side view mirrors. You're regularly checking the rear view mirror. But they would never teach you that you should drive down the road with your eyes fixed on the rear view mirror the whole time. That, that would be a bad plan, right? I mean, you really have to focus on what's in front of you. Not a bad idea to glance at those mirrors. In fact, it's a really good idea to do that. Okay, but you really want to be focusing on what is ahead. That's kind of what the Apostle Paul is saying here. I don't want you to misunderstand that the word forget here, it doesn't mean to fail to remember. That's normally the way we use it, okay? We're like, man, I forgot where I put my keys, or I forgot to mail that check, or I forgot to, you know. No, that, that's really not what the word here means so much. Uh, no way that you can totally erase the past from your memory, and Paul's not suggesting we do that. The word forget here literally means to not be influenced by or affected by. So like when God says, I will remember your sins no more, it doesn't mean that God all of a sudden comes up with a bad memory, suddenly loses the ability to remember something. No, what it simply means is that he no longer allows your past to affect your relationship to him. So as you look back over 2021, I mean, if you're like me, you can probably think about some mistakes you've made, some very important things that you've overlooked, things that you should have given attention to that you didn't. You can think about your failures. You can think about the things you didn't do. You should maybe think about some things that you've done that you probably shouldn't have done. And, and, and you can ask yourself, what can I learn from those things? What can I learn? How can those lessons make me more like Jesus? And then... Move on. I constantly come back to, to coaching because there's so many great sermon illustrations in coaching. But 
A good coach would maybe take some film, at least that's what we used to call it back in the day, we'd take some film from a previous game and we would say, these are some things that we didn't do very well. We didn't box out very well right here. We didn't get back in transition. We and you can take a brief time to look at that and to learn some things from it, but then ultimately you move on. You start thinking about your next opponent. You start thinking about your next game and how you can learn from that game. Maybe, maybe it was a loss. And you learn from that so that you can become better in the future. Uh, you want to know how you can know that you have effectively kind of put the past behind you when you can talk about it. When you can talk about it and you, when you can say, yes, I failed there. Yes, I did make a mistake there. Yes, that was sinful of me. My response was sinful. But I've, I've, by the grace of God, repented of that. And I've turned from that. And by the grace of God, I'm not going to respond like that in the future. That's why I don't ever want to do it again. That is how God has used that in my life. And so forget what lies behind you. Number two, notice what he says here. Focus on what is in front of you. Focus on what is in front of you. Verse number 13 again. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do. Paul uses similar language in other places where he writes. Two words make all the difference in the world. One thing. Paul understood the power that comes in concentrating on one thing. The main thing. You ever thought how important those words are in Scripture? When the rich young ruler came to Jesus and asked him how to receive eternal life, what did Jesus say to him? Jesus said, one thing you lack. One thing. When Martha was arguing with her sister Mary over what was really important in life, Jesus said to Martha, only one thing is needed. Only one thing. David, the psalmist, wrote in Psalm 27, 4, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after. I think one of the reasons that many of us struggle in the Christian life is because we are just flat out distracted. And in this, this last couple of years, there's been plenty of stuff to distract us. I've seen more and more people who profess to be followers of Jesus Christ. But if you just track their social media a little bit, you would wonder sometimes, because they seem to really be obsessed over some other things. I mean, I can point to people, even fellow pastors. If I went back several years, you would see most of their social media pointing people to Jesus. But you know what I see now? Something very different. Their motivations seem to be different. Their focus is different. They're not focusing on what is most important. And that's, that's what Paul is saying here. What is the one thing that Paul was seeking? He says in verse number 14, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The Greek word for goal here is the word skopos. It, is the, it means to look at. It is the word from which we get our word telescope. It means a mark on which your eyes are fixed. Your eyes are fixed. In other words, Paul said the key to living a God-glorifying life is to focus on Jesus. He, the one who's described in Scripture as the author and the finisher of our faith. Paul had a one-track mind, you might say, and his mind was on the right track. And again, I'm convinced the reason that a lot of professing Christ followers are so ineffective in their Christian life is that, and, and so many churches even ineffective in their mission is because they're involved in a lot of things, some of them good things. They just don't really concentrate on the main thing. 
That's why we say in, in church leadership a lot of times, we, I, we've got to be busy making sure that people know that the main thing is the main thing. We can do a lot of good stuff. Do you ever wonder, <laughs> I can remember as a kid, uh, seeing a lion tamer at the circus. Do you ever wonder why a lion, lion tamer would, in the first place, get in a cage with a lion? Okay, but they'll get in there, and, and a lot of times they would have, in one hand, what, a whip, whoosh, right? Okay, seems scary enough, and a what? And a chair. You ever know, like, what's a chair going to do? Like, a lion can, like, totally swat that out of your hand, bro. Like, come on. I, I, I later learned the reason they do that is because a lion has a hard time focusing when they see the four legs of that chair coming at them. What it does is it kind of paralyzes them in a sense because they don't know which leg to focus on. I think that's where a lot of us are in our spiritual development. We're, we're trying to focus on so many other things that really are, are far less important than our relationship with God through Jesus Christ and our development as disciples of Jesus Christ that, that, that we, we, we just stay stuck. We just stay stuck. Concentration is the secret of power. If you take a river, for example, and, and, I mean, you dam that river up and you make sure that that river is all flowing in one direction. It's not overflowing its banks. It can become a tremendous source of power, of electric power. If you take light and you concentrate it in its power, you can make a laser that can cut through steel. And in the same way, Paul said, set the right goals in your life and, and, and not... Not, not be so scattered in what you're, what you're focusing on. Build your life around reaching that goal of becoming more like Jesus Christ. And so it's in that spirit that I'm asking you this morning, particularly if you're a part of the First Baptist family, over the next 12 months to do that one thing. And that you will right now, in these final days of 2021, begin to pray and seek the Lord as to what that thing would be. What is it the one thing that he would have you do, have you accomplish in the coming year? And the reason that, that I'm, I'm so high on this is because I know that if you do this one thing, the Spirit of God will take the Word of God and move it in your heart and do many other things. So what I'm asking you to do is prayerfully seek the Lord as to what steps you should take as a follower of Jesus Christ to grow in Him. For some of you, it is to read through the, the entire Bible in the coming year. I think we would be shocked, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands this morning. How many of you have been a Christ follower for more than five or ten years, and yet you've never read through the entire Bible? I think some of us would probably be ashamed. A lot of us would say, well, I'm one of those people. I've started it a number of times. I haven't finished it. I'm going to tell you something. Christy and I were dating back in the day before social media and smartphones and all that kind of stuff, and there were some times when we had to be separated, and so... We would do, some of you old enough remember this. Remember when we would actually like write letters to each other and stuff? And we'd send them in the mail? Well, I guarantee you, every time she sent me a letter, when I'd be back home in Texas or whatever, I, I, when I got it out of the mail, I mean, I opened it and I read it. And I read it two or three times a lot of times. I made sure I read every word of it. Because I wanted to know what she had to say to me. Well, that's the way we need to be with God's love letter to us. And so for some of you, it's taking that step it's to read through the Bible in the next year. And, and, and let me just say this. I would really encourage you and even challenge you to do that in community with others. One of the reasons that many of you have never been able to finish that goal is because you've tried to do it on your own. There's no one to hold you accountable, no one to encourage you. 
And so for some of you, it's taken that step of, of jumping into a D group in the next year. And it's not, a D group is not designed where, where three people sit with one biblical guru who's going to expound scripture to them. That's not how our D groups work. It's really three or four or five people coming together, covenanting together to read through the entire word of God in a year. And you're going to get together regularly and discuss what God is saying to you through his word. And so there's that accountability. There's that encouragement that comes with that. So some of you, maybe it's, it's jumping into a D group in this coming year. What steps are you taking forward in your spiritual formation in 2022? Some of you, you need to be in a community group. That's kind of like your, like your discipleship hub where you can do life with these people and you may pop out of there for a time and do a training or, or something like that and you don't have to pop back in there. You're doing life with these people and you're praying for one another and you're encouraging one another and you're crying together and you're rejoicing together and all of those things. So maybe for some of you, it's, it's not just Sunday morning worship attendance. It's, it's jumping into a community group. Others of you need to take a step forward in a deeper understanding of Scripture. So it's time for you to sign up for a, a training, for a Bible study, where you're going to dig a little deeper into the Word of God and, and see it in ways maybe you never have. Maybe for some of you, it's, it's time for you to start actually memorizing and internalizing the Word of God. And up until now, you've used the excuse, well, my old rememberer just doesn't remember like it used to, and I can't do that. Really? My, my rememberer doesn't work quite how, like it used to either. But I think if we're really committed to it and we set some bite-sized achievable goals, we can do that. We can, we can internalize the Word of God. And so I don't know what that step may look like for you, but I'm calling you to, to take that step and, that, that, and focus on that one thing of becoming more like Jesus Christ and being all that He wants you to be so that you can effectively do all that He wants you to do. I'm convinced that the greatest single thing that that I do on a daily basis is to hear God speak to me through His Word. Nothing that feeds my spirit, nothing that encourages my heart, nothing that motivates me to live for Jesus, nothing that, that, that grows my love for God like reading and studying His Word. And I'm going to ask you to, to discern what it is that God would have you do. What is that one thing? And I'm going to encourage you to do that in community with others for accountability and encouragement and grow in Christ-likeness. Here's the third thing. Paul says, fulfill what is ahead of you. Two times, once in verse 12 and once in verse 14 here, Paul says, I press on. I press on. Now, the number of times that I've, I've been able to, to, to read through Scripture in a year or whatever, and, and, and I'll be honest with you, sometimes I don't recommend that for some people. Um, depending on where you are in your spiritual walk and things, I, one of the things that reading through the Bible in a year can do is it, it can put you in a position where you're just seeing it as something you're checking off on a list, okay? And it's not really... Um, it's not really doing anything for you other than just making you feel good about yourself or maybe feel discouraged because now you're four or five days behind and then you get 10 days behind and then you get, next thing you know, you're six weeks behind and then next thing you know, you're just throwing up your hands going, what's the use? Okay, I don't want you to see it that way. I'm not talking about some legalistic thing, okay, but really be sensitive to what God is saying to you. What steps can you take to being more like Jesus Christ? But I'm going to guarantee you something. I'm not suggesting this morning it's going to be easy. It's not. 
There are going to be days when I guarantee you can think of five other things that you want to be doing or maybe even need to be doing. And so you can quickly make something else a priority. It's not always going to be easy. But you got to press on with determination and with grit. Press on, Paul says here. So for some of you, again, thinking of reading through the Bible in a year is just too daunting a task. I will tell you this, even for an average reader, if you will average reading about four chapters a day, you can read through the Bible in a year. You can read through the Bible in a year. Um, but again, that, that may not be what God's impressing upon your heart to do. Maybe that's not, maybe that's not what you need to do in this coming year. Um, maybe you've got to make a point of, of pressing on in a different way. Maybe for you, maybe you have read through Scripture in a year. Maybe it's time for you to actually bore into some things and to pause and to stop and to look up a word and see, what does this word really mean? How, how have I come to understand this? Or maybe I need to, to view this text in the, the text, the cultural context in which it was written. Maybe you've never done that. Maybe you've only ever interpreted Scripture through a North American lens. So there's a lot of different ways that you could take bold steps forward in Christ-likeness. And that's where some of us have the problem. We want success to come easily. Many people today don't know a whole lot about determination and perseverance and endurance. We have this attitude today that, man, when things get a little tough, I, I, just, I just bail. When the subject gets too difficult, I drop the class. When my marriage isn't everything that I dreamed it would be, I, I'm just going to get a divorce. I'm asking you today to, to take a totally different tactic. I'm asking you today to say this one thing, by the grace of God, I'm going to do. I'm going to do this one thing I, maybe I've never done before. Maybe for you, it's that you've never shared your faith with someone. Maybe up to this point in your Christian journey, you've never been intentional about sharing the gospel with someone. And so you're going to prayerfully seek those opportunities. How can I have a gospel conversation with the people that, that I work with, with my neighbors, with a family member? What is the one thing that God would really have me do in this coming year? I'm asking you today to prayerfully seek the Lord about that. What can I do? I want you to, to think about this. There's one thing that really makes all this possible for us. There's one thing that allows me to even preach this message this morning. And that is the fact that God came in the flesh, lived a perfect sinless life, modeling for us who we are to be, what we are to do for God's glory. It's that one thing that made it possible. He ultimately went to a cross, a cruel cross, where He laid down His life, died for you and for me conquered death so that we could have eternal life. It's that one thing. What does Scripture say again? Christ came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life a ransom for many. Don't you know that Jesus in His coming had one thing? One thing in His sights? It was that one thing to which he was, he was walking and was moving, and that's why he continually told his closest followers, even as time moved on, he's like, this is, this, is where it's, this is where I'm going. This is why I'm here. This is the mission for which I've come. This is what I'm focused on. 
So as we turn the page, move into a new year, what is it that God would have you do so that you can be all that he wants you to be and do all that he wants you to do for his glory and his glory alone? Would you pray with me this morning? Father, I thank you that you have given us, according to your word, everything that we need for life and godliness. That in your sovereignty and in your good grace, you have not left us to just fend for ourselves. You've not thrown us your word as some sort of a textbook. If you just fill your head with this knowledge, you'll be just fine. No, you've given us You've given us your word that is alive. It's sharp. You liken it to a sword. It cuts to the heart of the matter. And you sovereignly use your word by your Holy Spirit to mold and shape us into who you want us to be so that we can do what you want us to do. Lord, if there's anyone here today that has never turned from their sin to faith in Jesus Christ, I pray that today would be that day. That there would be a clear recognition that I can't save myself. I can't be good enough. So I turn from my sinfulness and my self-righteousness to faith in Jesus Christ. The one who came, laid down his life, died a substitutionary death in my place so that I could be reconciled to holy God. Lord, help us as individuals, as families, as a church family to grow in you in the coming year. God, we so look forward to the ways that you're going to do that. So Lord, we submit to you, your will, your way, do a work in us that we know only you can do. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Van Alstine. For more information about our church, visit www.fbcva.com.